In this week's Unreported World podcast, Shea Rhodes is in the Ivory Coast as rival groups battle to take control of the country and the country descended into civil war. Shea describes how the lawless capital became a terrifying place to work as a reporter. As I arrived, the Bagbo regime was mobilising its most feared supporters, the Young Patriots. Their leader, Charles Blake O'Day, has a history of inciting violence. He agreed to let us film him speaking to his followers. He supplied us with bodyguards. He said as foreigners, we'd be lynched without them. In the last 10 minutes, we've been through six or seven roadblocks and the atmosphere is becoming increasingly intimidating. All the guys manning the roadblocks are wearing Ivory Coast T-shirts in the national colours and almost all of them are armed in some way, sticks, machetes. We're surrounded by people who are very, very pro Bagbo. There's a very nationalist sentiment around here, and people don't like foreign journalists. We're getting a lot of bad looks. I think it's increasingly important that we move on and don't stay in the same place for too long. Most Bagbo supporters come from the south and are Christian. The rival Watara supporters are mainly from the north and Muslim. Suddenly, Charles Blagoday arrived. He's one of Bagbo's closest allies. Ever since Bagbo lost the election, the United Nations had been demanding he step down. To his supporters, that made the UN peacekeepers stationed here an enemy. Who wants war? In the end, I thought Utara doesn't want to start a war. But the UN want to start one. It's them that are trying to create a war in the Ivory Coast. Young people of Ivory Coast, are you ready to join the army to protect your country? What he's saying is incredibly scary. He's essentially declared war on supporters of Ouattara, on the United Nations and on the French troops who are here. And he's asked everybody here if they're willing to fight and die for their country. And the response is an overwhelming yes. Our bodyguards had disappeared. To stop us being attacked, I needed the crowd to see us with their leader. Thank you very much, thank you. So many people have come. Is this normal for you, this kind of turnout? Yes, normal. Exactly. They're waiting for the message. Thank you very much for allowing us. Charles has just 
left the main stadium where he did a speech and a huge crowd has followed him. I joined Blake Gooday as he travelled to another rally. The UN have banned him from travelling abroad. You've got armed rebels around the country taking different towns, you've got armed patriots, you've got police and army who aren't necessarily getting paid because there's no money here. Aren't you worried that in a few months' time this situation is going to become out of your control? In a revolution, in a revolution, there is always collateral damage. We know that the situation is very difficult. I want to remind you that all the big countries who have their liberty today have passed this point. And so now we are obliged to fight for our liberty, just like they had to fight for theirs. I'm going to greet them. Blake Day was living up to his nickname the general of the streets. These people are willing to die for each other. No, I don't think so. They're willing to live for me. <laughs> His next rally was even larger. In the days that followed, Blegaday would go into hiding. That night, we watched as young patriots set up checkpoints throughout the city. They robbed almost everyone they stopped. Elsewhere, they killed people who they suspected of being Watara supporters. We're on one of the main roads leading out of the city and in front of us there is a line of cars, buses and coaches carrying people away from the city. They're just a small fraction of the million people that the UN says have had to flee Abidjan since the fighting began. We went to the Malian embassy. It had become a refugee centre. We've heard that the Malian government are evacuating as many of their citizens as they can today. Thousands have already fled the violence here, but the government have laid on buses which can carry 700 people. The problem is there are hundreds of thousands of Malians here in Abidjan. These people had come to Ivory Coast looking for work, but Bagbo supporters hate them. Malians have strong ethnic ties with Watara supporters who live in the north of the country. They too are mainly Muslim. Mamou told me that in recent weeks they've become targets. Because he's a foreigner, the army and the police come to his house regularly, they demand money. He says he doesn't always have money to give them. He's been forced to get on the floor and do push-ups, and while he's doing that, the army stamp on his hands. He says 
that he's seen the army going around and handing guns to all the young patriots who are manning all the roadblocks. He says once he saw that, he realised it was time for him to get out because he knew that his life was in danger. Just wandering around this area, this is actually the car park underneath the Malian embassy. There are hundreds of people, if not nearly a thousand, but it's boiling in here. You can see the sweat's dripping off me and everyone else is the same. They spend most of their time outside, but at night it's not safe to stay outside, so everybody has to gather in here in this heat, women, children, everybody. It's Some neighbourhoods had voted for Watara. In retaliation, the Bagbo regime cut off their water and sent soldiers to shoot innocent residents. We wanted to visit one of these areas, Abobo. Getting around the city is really difficult and filming in this city is virtually impossible. The city was full of checkpoints, run by soldiers and young patriots. It was too dangerous to film openly. After four checkpoints, our luck ran out. We've just been robbed by a group of young patriots. It's a really scary experience. They had AK-47s pointed at our heads. They dragged us out of the car, rifled through our pockets, they slapped us around and hit our fixer with a rifle butt. And it's not even that unusual. We knew it was going to be like this, but it's still pretty shocking when you experience it. That's what working in Abidjan is like at the moment. We still wanted to visit a pro-Watara neighbourhood. Monique Kone, a local health worker, managed to take us into a district called Adjame. She was investigating reports of a cholera outbreak. Just driving up the hill into Ajame, and there's been some shooting at the bottom of the hill. The United Nations building is down there. I've seen some people running back up the hill. A local councillor warned us Bagbo forces were firing into the area. At midday, there were two people from this area shot. They're shooting everywhere. You see? Monique said it was time to leave. Today's the day that Charles Blegoudet asked all of his supporters to go down to the main army barracks and sign up. And judging by the streets, everyone has decided they're going to do that. We've just driven into the main army barracks here in the centre of town and there are more people in here than there are out on the streets. There are thousands of young patriots, Bagbo supporters, all of them have come to enrol in the army. I'm ready for Alassane. 
going to go out and kill the rebels. They want to kill rebels. And if they think anybody's a rebel, they're going to kill them. The crowd were getting hostile. It was time for us to go. By now, we could hear Watara's forces had reached the edge of the city. The guards have just locked the gate. We've heard there's fighting within a few streets of this hotel, and we've been told it's no longer safe for us to leave our rooms. We were close to the presidential palace, where Watara's forces believed Bagbo was hiding. Government troops were desperately defending the streets around us. Yeah, the, the shooting is getting closer and closer to our hotel at the moment. There are now plumes of smoke all over the city. For days, Watara's soldiers made little progress. People had no option but to leave their homes, crossing the front line in search of food and water. I've just realised that there are groups of pro-Bagbo soldiers stationed all around our hotel. He just popped out from behind a sign there and he's pointing guns at every civilian that walks past him. But then, the balance began to shift against Bagbo. in my room because there is heavy shooting outside. Today, the United Nations and the French joined in this war. They've started attacking Bagbo's positions, taking out his tanks and heavy weapons so that he can't use them against civilians. Unfortunately, they're doing that right outside our hotel. Soon, Bagbo's forces came calling. Bad sign, man. I've just looked out the window and I've seen two soldiers with AK-47 standing on our terrace. We knew there were gunmen searching the building. We joined a group of journalists who were locked in one of the rooms. After 30 minutes, the soldiers left. Okay, the cars are driving away. They took with them the French hotel manager, two foreign businessmen and their Ivorian security guard. They haven't been heard from since. Twelve thousand French people live in Abidjan. Ivory Coast used to be a French colony. French troops working with the UN arrived at our hotel to evacuate foreigners. French troops have just told us that if we don't get on this trip, 
This is their last trip of the day and they won't be coming back for us tomorrow. So we're loading up our luggage and we're going to be taken to their base. Convoys just stopped and we started to be shot at. French troops are shooting back, but I can't believe somebody's actually shooting at a convoy that clearly contains civilians. We're all crouched down on the floor, waiting to move off again, but they're not going to go until they're certain it's safe. Is everyone okay? Wait. Yeah. Wait. Everyone's okay. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Yes, This is a very strange experience. We've just been asked for our passport so that we can register. I am now about to enter an IDP camp. I've been into many before, but never like this. I really didn't ever think I'd be on this side of the fence, but here I am. The next morning, we joined a French patrol. I could see dead bodies in the street. I couldn't tell if they were fighters or civilians. This is the commercial district of one of Africa's proudest and strongest economies. And yet, what you see behind me is the shadow of its former self. The soldiers were evacuating foreigners who lived near Bagbo's home. Soldiers have managed to evacuate over 100 people today, but suddenly there's a lot of shooting. It's coming from all directions. Tracked carefully by the soldiers' guns, some cars arrived. It was our first meeting with the advancing pro-Watara forces. Donc nous sommes là aussi pour sécuriser à Cocody Angré. C'est pourquoi hier il y a eu front sur le terrain vers Carrefour là deux. But he says they're going to keep on fighting because they're the only people who can liberate the Ivory Coast from Laurent Bagbo. He says Bagbo is terrorizing this country. People here have no electricity, no water, and no food to eat. And the only people who can free them from him is Watara's forces. They weren't the disciplined army we'd expected. I could see why they hadn't yet been able to overthrow Bagbo. In the streets around Bagbo's house, the battle was reaching a new intensity. When we arrived back, French forces were preparing for a major operation. As you can see, there are helicopters leaving the French military base here. I'm told they're heading towards Laurent Bagbo's residence, where they're going to attack him in retaliation for firing on the United Nations headquarters earlier today. What we saw that night was the start of a decisive French intervention. 
Within 24 hours, I was watching pictures of a captured Laurent Gbagbo. His regime was at an end. His rival, Alassane Ouattara, the democratically elected president, announced he was now in control of the country. He's announced that this is a new era of peace for the Ivory Coast and that people should try not to retaliate. This is the first time we've been able to drive anywhere unescorted in over two weeks and the roads are completely dead. There were few celebrations. Too many terrible things had happened. OK, stop here. All right, all right. I'm just driving by and I've just seen these two burned bodies here. They look like they've been wrapped in tyres, the tyres set alight and the two people have been burnt alive and there's actually another one just over there. It just gives you an indication of how gruesome the violence was. The stench is horrible. OK, that's us. It wasn't safe to stay. The city was still lawless. Watara's victorious forces were looting shops and businesses and even fighting each other. We arrived at a hospital in Treshville, a pro-Watara area. It was full of wounded people. What happened to you? Issef says that he went out yesterday morning to try and buy bread, but suddenly there was a massive explosion. He was hit by shrapnel and he's got shrapnel wounds all down his body and he's broken his arm. But he says that seven people were killed that day, all of them just innocent people who were trying to buy food. Zumana had been shot in the leg by a sniper and almost bled to death. He waited five days before daring to visit the hospital. Zumana, how do you feel about the people who did this to you? If I knew the person who did this to me, if I could kill him, I would kill him. So even though Bagba's been captured now and we're told this whole fight is over, for you it's going to carry on, is that what you're saying? For me, it will be easier, but many have lost their children. For them, it will not be easy to forget at all. They will always have hate in their hearts. Get out, get out. If you don't, I will break that. A group of men arrived and started to attack us. They were probably defeated young patriots, but I couldn't be certain. Give me the film. Give me the film. The hospital staff held them off and we managed to escape. The Ivory Coast now has a democratically elected president, but people like the young patriots are still alive and waiting for revenge. Even democracy can't remove the deep divisions that still remain in Ivorian society. If you want to find out more about the conflict in Ivory Coast, or any other issue covered by Unreported World, please visit our website at channel4.com slash unreportedworld.
Thanks to Shea Rhodes on the political crisis and violence which engulfed the Ivory Coast. If you want any details of this or any other programmes featured in the podcasts, go to channel4.com slash unreportedworld.